0: This is our Tuesday key market driver's call for uh, November the 8th. It's election day, so don't forget to uh, go out and vote early and vote often, as they say. Um, As always, we'd love to hear your comments, your feedback, any questions you might have. There's our contact information. So let's just go ahead and get into it here. Um, You got several things actually pushing prices around, and uh, some of them are kind of in both directions. Markets, I think, struggling in many cases to figure out uh, where we go next. Uh, If you look at price moves last week, uh, really, it seems to be kind of a a soy complex market. We were kind of led higher by bean prices and vegetable prices last week. Uh, Soybeans were up uh, over 60 cents last week. That's almost four and a half percent. Uh, Soybean oil up a whopping seven and a half percent. That's over five cents a pound. Uh, Palm oil trying to keep up was up uh, uh, $60 a ton. That's over six and a half percent. So it's really vegetable markets and the soy complex leading things higher. Well, this is kind of the back and forth of it here a little bit. On on the one hand, the market was kind of pulled up last week on soybean prices because of the election in Brazil. Uh, I would say center left candidate, but I don't think there's anything centered uh, to uh, the candidate that was elected uh, down in Brazil. Uh, I think the bullish soybean part of that story uh, goes something like this, a very left-wing candidate, uh, likely to do a lot of things in the name of climate change to curb um, uh, what the market believes might be curbing soybean production. Um, I would say that we have a lot of water needs to go over the dam before we're ready to go there. But that's one of the catalysts kind of given here um, for the bullish move in beans. One of the other bullish catalysts, uh, there was talk last week that the Chinese might be uh, starting to migrate or considering migrating away from this uh, zero COVID policy. Uh, Then they were out later and said, no, no, no. We're gonna continue with these, these lockdowns. That would be then bearish. Read an article this morning that they're, again, reconsidering and trying to weigh, you know, this trying to crush COVID uh, against all the economic damage that they're doing to their country. So uh, that's some of the speculation that goes on. But right in the middle of all that, uh, in October, we got the Chinese uh, import soybean import numbers, and it was their lowest monthly import total in eight years. I'll talk a little bit more about uh, the data there uh, when I get to the next slide here. So I think some back and forth, but if you just look at Friday close to Friday close, it was certainly a bean week last week. Uh, corn absolutely did nothing. Uh, I think the corn market moved a whopping quarter of a cent last week. So uh, not a whole lot of activity there. Uh, we've also got our November WASD. uh tomorrow. I'll talk about what the trade is looking for there, but the executive summary version is Uh, Not much Uh, trades looking for pretty similar yields uh, to what the USDA gave us last week. So let me let me go through a couple things here. Uh, I'll probably let Scott talk a little bit about the uh, Russia Ukraine agreement uh, when we we uh, open it up for him and let him talk about week before we get to that. Um, We had our Fed Fed uh, uh, meeting last week. Fed raised interest rates, 75 basis points. Uh, exactly as expected, but it's kind of got the US dollar going higher again. Um, And this is one of the other uh, things that I think the market's struggling with. Typically a strong US dollar is negative to commodity prices and uh, you you continue to have the US dollar uh, go up, we're back above 113 on the dollar index. Uh, I'm not even sure what the sound bite is on that, but that's uh, gotta be, uh, I think when it got over 111, that's the strongest it had been, if I'm not mistaken, since like 2004 so. Um, not even sure how far back you gotta go uh, to see US dollar index quite that strong. Uh, Planting's rolling along in Brazil, we got 63% of the corn planted uh, a bit behind a year ago, but uh, really nothing that appears to be overly problematic. Um, I was talking about China and their import total. Here's some of the stats over here. Uh, China's soybean imports in October were a scant 4.14 million metric tons. To give you some perspective, uh, the USDA is estimating that China will import 98 million metric tons of soybeans this year. Uh, You do a little bit of math there, you divide 98 by 12 and that tells you that they gotta be well over 8 million metric tons. Month in and month out to get to that number. And um, (coughs) just not anywhere near that, actually about half of that monthly average total. So uh, that continues to be very disappointing news. That's down 19% from last October and down a whopping 46 plus percent uh, from September. Remember, September was one of those months that the total bounced back up a little bit. The market be carrying very hopeful that, ah, China's back. They're going to be importing more. Uh, If you remember, that happened last May as well, Um, but a very disappointing month uh, in October. Uh, And speaking of disappointing, bottom right-hand corner down here in the biofuel section, uh, the USDA, uh, as they seem to do regularly here over the recent years, uh, is going straight back to the dog-ate-my-homework excuse. Um, Their self-imposed, or I don't know, self-imposed or a court-imposed deadline of November 19th to give us their proposed mandates for biofuel blending for 2023 and beyond. Remember they pro- promised us at least two years worth of proposals. Well, they've now already moved that back to the end of November. So uh, maybe it is not time to start holding your breath yet uh, on that either. So let's look at the WASD, uh tomorrow's WASDE. This is what the trade is looking for. Let's go to this middle section first. Uh, trade is looking for 70, 171.9 bushel an acre beans, exactly what they told us in October. Uh, that's corn. I'm sorry. If you look down here at beans, market's looking for a smooth 50 bushels an acre, uh, just barely a whisker better than the 49.8 that they gave us last month. Um, uh On the one hand, I know a lot of people have been skeptical, especially that bean yield number uh, about why isn't it bigger with the weather we had. I've certainly been in that camp. Uh, But I will also tell you this, it would be historically not unprecedented, uh, but a little bit unusual for the USDA to reverse course and go back up. Uh, You know, their trend has been to be lowering that yield steadily as we've gone through this objective uh, yield survey process. And Again, not unprecedented, but would be a little bit unusual for the USDA to turn around and go back up, especially uh, if it's by a decent chunk. When you move up here to this top section, if you look at the average trade estimates for ending stocks, uh, especially on beans and corn here, uh, relative to where they were last month, a little bit of a loosening there, a little bit looser balance sheets. Uh, Remember that corn and bean number last month are historically very tight uh doesn't leave us a lot of safety stocks. Um, I think many are expecting the USDA, especially on corn uh, to lower their export estimate, which would give us more corn left uh, at the end of the crop cycle, but uh, really not much else going on there. Here's some charts for you on the Chinese import number, uh, import data that I was showing you. Uh, these are the last two years. Uh, remember this red year that we just got started here with that October data. Uh, USDA is forecasting 98 million metric tons. Uh, that means that we need to be on the other side of this green and blue line here, <coughs> you know, somewhere up in here and uh, boy, just not having it at this point. You can see the uh, very poor total here. Uh, again, lowest number in eight years. Harvest is kind of rocking and rolling here, pretty much all done, but the shouting, 87% of our corn harvested. Uh, 11 percentage points ahead of the five-year average, 94% of our beans are out, uh, eight ticks ahead of the five-year average. Um, and I'll turn it at this point to Scott to talk about winter wheat planting and to talk about uh, winter wheat conditions.
1: Well yeah, and and I suppose all things wheat while I'm at it. Um, all
0: things wheat while you're at it, you bet. The,
1: uh, the plantings here, you know nothing to be concerned about there. We're just a scotch over average. We're kind of on the last lap here. Um, most of the northern states, wherever you're planting winter wheat, have been planted. Uh, so you're you know you're you're left with the stuff that's in the south, uh, Texas, uh, a little bit in Oklahoma and the like. When you look at the emergence on the next slide, nothing to be concerned about there. Right on averages, we're seventy three versus seventy four. Um, but the big news, I think, when we're talking about winter wheat here in the States is on the next slide, which is the conditions. Last week, if you remember, I told you that it literally was the worst um, winter, the first national winter wheat conditions since we started keeping records. Uh, and and the biggest uh, piece of that bad picture was that we were 35 percent poor to very poor. Well, We've gotten just a little bit better, uh, ever so slightly. We're up two ticks. We were 28 percent good to excellent a week ago, and now we're all the way up to 30 um, uh, percent. That's a recipient of getting uh, a little bit of rain. We'll we'll talk about that in just a little bit, and and so every little bit helps, and uh, maybe uh, we'll continue that that path. That's not a raging trend higher, but but maybe we can continue on that. Um, so we did have, you know, Dave talked about some of the other market yeah, if we action.
0: Go up, if we go up 2% a year, we'll have an average looking crop here in a year or two.
1: Yeah, <laughs> every week, you mean. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, he talked about market action with, with some of the other things. Last week, we had quite a fun week in wheat. Um, we were up 6% on the news that Russia was getting out of the deal last monday if you remember um by the end of the week we were almost back down to where we started uh we had a range of 73 cents a bushel if you go back for uh it would would have been uh, the friday the what 29th i guess or 27th uh, before halloween uh we were up 73 cents at the at the height of that peak uh when putin said he was done well what's happened uh, first with that with the safe deal Russia came back last Wednesday and said, "All right, we're back in the deal." And that was after some arm twisting and more talking with Turkey, because honestly, Turkey is one of the biggest recipients of this safe passage deal, and Turkey is helping to um, uh, go, helping with the UN and and with Russia in uh, making sure that there's no arms trading uh, on this safe passage. And so, while Putin said, I'm getting back in the deal. He also said, yeah, I'm not going to extend anything right now. Remember, the the safe passage deal ends on November 19th. There's been some speculation that the reason why they're not going to extend anything right now is that that gives Putin some leverage when, they, when he goes to meet at the G20 uh, on uh, November 15th. So. Things are, you know, in in some ways, kind of back to a status quo. Uh, Lloyd's of London and other big insurers are back to um, underwriting the the uh, cargo vessels, um, you know, and and things feel okay. But but uh, we'll see what happens uh, next week at the at the G20 meeting. Back here in the states, uh, we talked about conditions. Uh, we we talked about uh, where things are at. Um, I think that the market's going to be pretty well supported and these levels right here uh, until somebody can uh, discern that our exports are going to be largely different than what they were. You're not going to see any changes to our food usage in the WASI tomorrow. We know we're not going to get any production changes. Um, It's all going to come down to how much we feed and how much uh, goes out the door and exports. And currently it doesn't seem like that's going to be a big deal. Um, two more things. Uh, Southern hemisphere. Remember, th- those guys are are uh, starting to uh, to harvest here, certainly in Australia, maybe not quite there yet in, in Argentina. Australia, some people think that that crop could be as large as 40 million tons. It, Holy moly. Then that would be... You know, two years ago, it was 36 and change, 36.3, I think, which was the mother of all records. This would be, you know, another moonshot. But uh, their eastern growing region has been uh, hit most by all of these La Nina rains, uh, excess rains. They think maybe as much as 8 million tons of that crop uh, will not meet milling quality. It's, It's a little early to say that, but that's the speculation today. Um, 8 million tons is a big number, but it's not as big a number when you're making the whole whole crop be uh, 40 million tons. Um, And then on the other side of the pond, uh, Argentina, uh, Buenos Aires Green Exchange uh, came out yesterday and lowered their wheat crop estimate again down to only 14 million tons. Uh, They were 15.2 previous. And remember, there was a lot of promise at the beginning of the season that Argentina was going to grow a 20 or 21 million ton crop. So they have just been hammered by the uh, dry weather down there. Oh, you know what? Uh, One more quick thing I I, I would like to mention here, as long as we're still on the slide, this winter wheat conditions. If you split up our winter wheat into hard red winter and soft red winter, it's you know it's been like it has for the of the much of the last year the hard red winter wheat states the top 7 have a 22% good to excellent and a 39% poor to very poor if you flip that over to soft red winter wheat it's 60% good to excellent and only 10% poor to very poor wow so so big big dividing line there between uh, between the two wheats Yep. Well, thank you, Scott. I uh, haven't
0: talked about the spec in a while, probably time again. You know, we talked about how bullish the soy complex was last week. Uh, the spec is heavily invested uh, once again in the soy complex. Uh, you've heard me say many times before, uh, spec carrying uh, in excess of 20% of open interest is quite rare. Well, there you have it in meal, soybean meal and soybean oil. Uh, 15% in beans is no. Uh, uh, no small task either. So SPEC is pretty heavily invested here uh, in the soy complex. And with that, I think we'll throw it to Paige to give us a bit of a preview of the cold weather coming.
2: Hey, yeah, unfortunately, it does look like it's going to get cold. Um, as far as weather in the U.S., though, it kind of is not overly a big deal at this point uh like we said corn harvested is 87 percent complete we're well ahead of the kind of five-year average and beans what we we're like 90 yeah 94% 94 percent complete so even if we do get a bunch of rains in the next couple of weeks that might slow harvest down a little bit but it seems like we are chugging right along and it would take a lot of rain to kind of really cause an issue for harvest Um, maybe a skosh too early to say we're kind of in the clear at this point, but looking at that two week forecast, that terribly cold two week forecast, (laughs) um, looks like they should have kind of some pretty good opportunities to finish getting the rest of their crops out. Um, unfortunately for us, that looks like we're not going to have a beautiful Thanksgiving where you're outside throwing around a football, probably going to be inside drinking hot chocolate because it looks like it is going to be cold.
0: We'll be hunting right about at the end of the pointer here, uh, right about in this 8 to 14 day period. That doesn't uh, sound like as much fun.
2: Well, at least it's not dark blue like the 6 to 10 today. That could be, that would be worse. But it seems like at this point, especially with that 8 to 14 day uh, looking either kind of right on average for (laughs) precipitation or even a little bit dry, I would say harvest weather is yet again looking pretty good. So if you want to jump forward to South America, um, <laughs> i kind of a weather nerd at this point because that's one of the things that I look at the most. But I pulled this up and I went, heck yeah, because the last couple times I've looked at this map, it's Argentina has been white. Um, they went through, oh, probably three or four weeks of getting pretty good rains. And I think it was last week. They kind of shut off for the most part. There wasn't really any rain um, in the seven-day forecast for a while there. And the rains that they got were helpful, but they definitely still need some more because they were pretty dry down there. Um, Brazil, kind of all the way through. Go ahead. Not, not, capital
1: uh, underscore, not helpful for the wheat crop down there. Remember that it's just a winter wheat, and so it gets harvested at the beginning of the season. So it is helpful for the corn and soybeans, but not wheat. Because it's getting rain at the wrong time? Yep. Well, they're they're basically they're getting ready to harvest. It's not yep. uh, it's not helping.
2: OK, so it's bad for the wheat, but it's good for corn and soybeans. <laughs> yep. um, so, yeah, it looks like this week they're expected to get some good rains. I think those started kind of last weekend and kind of all the way through Brazil has gotten some pretty good widespread rains, which is um, beneficial to say the least. Yeah,
0: and I read. Uh, I was reading an article this morning that the uh, basically the Australian National Weather Service um, is still looking for. They're still saying that we have a a, a uh, La Niña, uh, but they are looking for those sea surface temperatures to move back to a, at least their current prediction is for those to move back to a more neutral configuration, neutral temperature um, uh, in early 2023. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, thank you. Uh, on the weather the, uh, page, uh, Scott, what do you got for us on the dairy markets? Do well, I see we butter talking, numbers that start with a two?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had that uh, a week ago, remember. But uh, we were talking about the wild week in in markets. Maybe none more wild than what happened in spot butter last week. Um, we had 27 lots traded, but the bigger story was a 33 and half cent trade range. Um, you know, a week ago there on Halloween, we were at 294 and a half. That was on that day. That was the uh, lowest number since um, uh, since August and the biggest one day trade uh, uh, drop since like back in January. Well, we went all the way down then to 261 on Wednesday before we kind of bottomed out. We've bounced up since then back to 287. Um I think that you know a lot of that is is due to just the fact that we 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 had completely shut down uh, demand for the spot uh, on the you know back when we were in the three dollars uh, 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 trade ranges, um, and so we kind of got down to the spot where we found some demand and we got people coming in and and buying things up, and that quickly got things to to bounce back a little bit higher. If you look at those international numbers, um, look what they did. You had German prices down 16 cents. You had the Dutch prices down 20 cents, You know, 282 and 266. And then look just a little bit below that, the, the uh, global dairy trade numbers, uh, which was actually up last Tuesday, uh, but that's all the way down at 220. So we're still the high guy in, in the world market when it comes to butter pricing. We'll probably stay the high guy for a while, but um, I, I think maybe, if we cross our fingers, uh, maybe those days of the $3 uh, uh, spot numbers are, are behind us for a little while. Not so much on the cheese uh, uh, in terms of a crazy uh, crazy trade. We were uh, back below 2 bucks for a while. Now it seems like we're back above 2 bucks. I think that has a lot to do just with the, uh, you know, heading on into the the holidays here. Um, Production is, you know, steady to actually strong in some places and um, uh, your your inventories are pretty balanced. So uh, I think it's just pushing prices just a skosh higher. On the next slide, you see the September products report. Remember, this is a delayed report. It comes out kind of after, you know, all of the dust has already settled. Uh, kind of support the uh, supportive, if you will, on the cheese side of things. Um, not much of a change year over year, not even a half a percent higher, uh, but down a full percent uh, on output for uh, month over month. Uh, that was mostly led by mozzarella, uh, up 4%. Um, you know, when you look at the butter, uh, again, a, a little disappointing, down a percent and a half year over year, almost a percent and a half month over month um you you had a big big decline in the central region remember we make most of our butter in the west um, but we do uh watch what goes on in the other region and in the central region think wisconsin uh, was down six percent and our our exports and our other demand are are still running pretty strong so a little bit of a bullish report there so um that's what i know on the dairy side of things but I guess go forward to or just one slide, Dave, uh, and take a look at that red line on the lower chart. Um, we're still well above where we've been the last three years. Yep.
0: Yep, uh, 260 something, 280 something seems a heck of a lot cheap. Uh, Seems cheap when uh, coming off of the 320 record highs, but got to keep reminding yourself that historically this is still very expensive butter. So, all right, well, thank you very much. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us as always. That is our story, as we say, uh, and we are sticking to it. Uh, And as always, be careful out there.